When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Maybe it's just that you don't know how to use social courtesy. Oh, that's old-fashioned. Watch how Lizzie Post and Dan Post act as host and hostess. They know that courtesy means showing respect, thinking of the other person, real friendliness. Hello! And welcome to Awesome Etiquette. Where we explore modern etiquette through the lens of consideration, respect, and honesty. On today's show, we take your questions on mentioning social media posts when you see someone in person, responding to generic emails, sending holiday cards at the end of a tumultuous year, and how to thank a very generous friend. For Awesome Etiquette Sustaining Members, our question of the week is about differing love languages and how to talk about them. Plus, your most excellent feedback, etiquette salute, and a postscript where we discuss Emily Post's Children Are People. All that's coming up. Awesome Etiquette comes to you from the studios of our home offices in Vermont and is proud to be produced by the Emily Post Institute. I'm Lizzie Post. And I'm Dan Post-Senning. It is the most gorgeous, gorgeous Saturday today. I'd ask if you can believe it, but I know you can't because I can't because it's unbelievable. It is. Do you know that it is so pretty this Saturday that I put a big sign outside my house that says, oh, happy day. I mean, come on. 68 and sunny in November. And here's the other thing. It's not fleeting. It's not just a moment. It's it's meant to no. last for a few days. So you can kind of enjoy it without feeling like it's just going to slip away at any moment. Exactly. This is this is good. This Saturday is a good Saturday. It is. It is. We're recording a little bit late this week. There is a lot going on at Emily Post. Um, Lizzie Post, have I mentioned that Thanksgiving is three weeks away from a couple days ago? Oh, turkeys everywhere shudder. It is. It, you haven't mentioned it, but it is. And we are now sort of, I feel like we are, can I dare to say it? We're in the holiday zone. We kind of are. Like, <laughs> it's time. It's time to start thinking about and talking about what is happening, except I know that for so many of us, we're not actually traveling to gather this year. I'm so curious how everyone's holiday is going to be different. Ours already, there's no turkey. We're doing a Thanksgiving porchetta. We've been thinking about our pandemic Thanksgiving turkey, and it's going to take a little bit of special organizing to get it. No question. Like you guys used to do this big, um, was it Mediterranean Greek dinner the night before? The sending side does. Yeah. No, the, the, the family side, that yeah. usually visit from Boston bring up a favorite spread from a Lebanese diner oh, near them. A Lebanese. Thank you. Sorry. I, I, I could not remember what it was. Um, so and, good. And I'm guessing that's not going to yeah. happen this year. Exactly. I was picturing like, like because all of Dan's family, parts of them live relatively close to each other. And I was picturing if it was such a beautiful day as this Saturday is so beautiful. 
it would really, really be cool if kind of like you lined up along like all the houses on the hill and you could kind of do like a drive-by, pick up dishes from each house and then bring them home kind of a thing. But no. <laughs> a circulating, traveling Thanksgiving carpool. Table somehow. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> dreams, dreams, daydreams. I, I guess I haven't really fallen into those sorts of holiday daydreaming because our work at Emily Post also picks up accelerates around the holidays. And what I thought you were going to say when you said, dare we, do we, are we going to say we're in the holiday season? I kept waiting <laughs> for you to say, are we going to talk about the fact that we're really hoping to launch our website maybe even before Thanksgiving, which is, as oh, people oh who listen goodness. to the show know, are far and away our biggest traffic day of the year. It definitely is. It is our goal. It is our hope that we are going to have a beautiful, bright, shiny new website for you uh, to visit, peruse, and experience come Thanksgiving holiday week. Um, our fingers are crossed. We are we are working day and night <laughs> when we can to, to accomplish this. And it's not just us. There are other people involved who are also working hard to make it happen. Well, and it's like, it's a crazy time too. Like Kelly and I are, we're getting the last stories together for the Mistakes Were Made book and we're going to be turning that in soon. So it's like, and, and then there's the big book that's also going on and, and Dan's got the children's program that launched online. So the pilot program of that is, I just feel like November is full of so much wonderful stuff that is happening. It is good. And those holidays that I keep telling myself in my personal life are far away are actually quite a bit closer than I maybe want to admit. <laughs> well, because we know that they are closer and there is quite a lot of work for the two of us to get done. And this day is so incredibly gorgeous that it, it should be celebrated. I say we get to some questions so that we can both get outside and get to more work. Let's do it. Awesome Etiquette is here to answer your questions. You can email them to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. Leave a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. Or reach us on social media. On Twitter, we are at emilypostinst. On Instagram, we are at emilypostinstitute. And on Facebook, we're Awesome Etiquette. Just use the hashtag Awesome Etiquette with your social media posts so that we know you want your question on the show. Awesome Etiquette gets support from StoryWorth. There are some stories about your mom's life that you truly never get tired of hearing. From hilarious to heartfelt, tear-jerking to plot-twisting, mom's retelling of the events always brings a bit of joy. Just in time for Mother's Day, we here at Awesome Etiquette found the perfect gift that can capture all of your mom's stories for your family forever. It's called StoryWorth. StoryWorth helps you preserve precious memories and stories from your mom or a mother figure in your life for years to come. Here's how it works. Each week, StoryWorth emails your loved one a thought-provoking question that you get to help pick. What was your first job? Who was your first crush? <laughs> StoryWorth makes the writing process a breeze. All your loved one needs to do is to respond to the email prompt with a story. Long or short, it doesn't matter. I did this with my mom and it was really, really rewarding. You'll be emailed a copy of your loved one's responses as they're submitted over the course of the year. 
you'll get to enjoy their retelling of the stories. Some you probably already know, or maybe the ones that you're surprised by you haven't heard before. <laughs> After that year of fun discovery and reminiscing, StoryWorth compiles your loved one's stories and photos into a beautiful keepsake hardcover book that you'll be able to share and revisit for generations to come. You can even keep a copy of the book for yourself. Give all the moms in your life a unique, heartfelt gift that you all will cherish for years. Story Worth. Right now, save $10 on your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com manners. That's storyworth, S-T-O-R-Y-W-O-R-T-H dot com slash manners. It's manners with an S to save $10 on your first purchase. And now back to our show. Our first question this week is about social media and meetups. Hi, Lizzie and Dan. I hope you are well. I'm listening to episode 319 and the question about name tags. It reminded me about a question I always have about mentioning social media posts to people I see in person. For example, if I run into an acquaintance and have seen on social media that they were on a trip or accomplished something, is it weird to bring it up? Does it feel stalkerish, or is it appropriate since it was shared online and perhaps I have liked a post? I would love to hear your thoughts. Jody. Jody, this is a question that anyone who's ever had a crush asks all the time. <laughs> like, you know, like, oh, that, that's so cool that they did. I should totally bring it up. Wait, but if I bring it up, does it seem stalkerish? Am I like paying too weird? much attention is to them? Weird? Is it weird? No, there people are putting these things out there. If you are friends with them in these spaces, then it's expected that you go through, uh, you know, you are one of the, the people scrolling through their posts. I think you want to be careful to not overdo it and be too excited into it or or praiseworthy of the post, you know, I think anything that's that's a little extra in that department would be. And so I think you can kind of keep it light. But to mention it, to say something like, hey, I saw on Facebook that you, you know, you just got back from my favorite example, that trip to Greece. You know, how was it? Like, oh, do you wish you could have stayed longer? Never been in the winter? I don't know anything. Um, I think those are fine ways to kind of drop that in. Absolutely. I would observe all the usual rules of conversation. So mm -hmm. mentioning that you saw someone post something about their kids is different than, oh, I saw you post such and such. And then asking a personal follow-up question that might or might not be appropriate. I would observe the usual rules of conversation. But as Lizzie says, what's posted online is public. And that's a public space that you can respond to. Bridget actually chimed in when, when she was working on the script on this and said, but you might want to think about if other people are around who either aren't friends with that person, you know what I mean? They might then not be able to engage Absolutely. in the conversation. So if Dan's not friends with one of my friends that we run into, it could be just weird to sit there and have a whole conversation about this post or this trip or this whatever when, you know, Dan's not being included or hasn't seen the post. Either you need to take the time to explain it or, you know, use a different avenue in or just ask the question, have you been on any vacations lately? Something like that if it's, a, if it's more of a group situation. It's another example of a rule that applies in conversation in general, that you, when you're involved with multiple people, you don't talk about things that exclude anyone from the conversation or that are hard for some people to participate in for some reason. So a social media post that not everyone's seen is a good example of something you wouldn't want to spend too much time on. When you hear a question like this, it's so natural to ask yourself, well, 
obviously it's not okay all the time. What are the situations where it wouldn't be okay? And the one that came to my mind is one that I'm almost hesitant to mention, but it's when the behavior that you would reveal isn't behavior that you would be proud of. So if you have been stalking someone, if maybe there's someone who you're not as close to or don't see as regularly or maybe for whatever reason, the actual connections in your life. Dan means stalking in the friendly and appreciated way, just so you know, not the, Absolutely. Not the negative way. Yeah, exactly. But but, but where the, the social media relationship isn't reflective of the in-person real-world relationship. And yeah. if you start responding to that relationship, that social media relationship that might not be as reciprocal or two-way – as you're imagining the in-person relationship, you might get into some trouble that way. So you have to have some awareness and some context. But generally speaking, it's okay. Jody, great question. Thanks so much for asking it. We hope our answer helps. Now, if Smiley and Selkie both came over to your house and wanted to play with you, which one would you rather play with? This one. Why? Because he's happier. He'd be more fun to play with. Yes, I agree. Now, look over here, Johnny. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. This question is titled generic email etiquette. That is, it's like almost the most generic <laughs> question title we could have had on the show. Dear Dan and Lizzie, thank you very much for your show, which I absolutely love. I recently received what was obviously a group email. Only my name had been inserted as Dear Veronica. But the rest of the email was obviously written to be generic and bland, so it could be sent to a large group of people as a catch-up. The contents had sentences like, So that's me, and now I want to hear all about what you've been doing, and it's been too long, and I wanted to let you know I'm thinking of you. I felt quite put out by this generic email and have yet to respond. I suppose I could respond with my specific news and then hope I get a more personal reply, but I felt quite uninterested by the generic tone of this email, which as it seemed to be go <clears throat> which as it seemed to be going to a large number of people with only names swapped out was really very superficial and not at all engaging. Should I be happy that I was included? How do I respond to this? Thank you, Veronica. Veronica, thank you for the question. This is a great point of etiquette question because it's all about the tone of communication, how it impacts relationships. And what I like about it is that you're not just focusing on what you think of the way that the email was crafted and sent, but how you're going to respond. And to me, that's the heart of good etiquette when it's, it's really being used to help you decide what's going to guide you. And to that end, I'm looking to the core principles of etiquette, consideration, respect, and honesty. And I see consideration and respect in terms of the way you're thinking about all the different people here and you're doing it in a way that shows that you recognize their value and the worth of these relationships. 
in terms of the reply, I'm really looking at honesty. And I would say to myself, how do I honestly feel about it? And if you are, I don't want to say honored to be included, but if it moves you that you've been included in this way, it's an opportunity to connect with someone and you could reply in that way. If it does feel generic and perfunctory and weird to you, I don't think that there's any rule that says you have to reply that precisely because it was sent to so many people and it didn't feel personal. I think it then falls outside of that category where there's a social responsibility to reply. Did anyone else feel like like red etiquette siren lights just went off? Like, I, not I know, reply? As I was saying not it, reply I know, to a letter, I Dan? It. I hear it. What? It's why I started what? with the corporate the support. insanity! Oh, my goodness. What do you... So, I'm, I, I'm curious... How how sure are we? I mean, it's it sounds it sounds like Veronica's pretty sure, but could perhaps the letter writer just be not very good at letter writing? I mean, do you do we say that we do the kind of saccharine sweet thing? I like the work you're doing here because I do and lean into the benefit of the doubt that this person just wrote you a not great letter. <laughs> like, and it's I don't a- know, maybe maybe it is egregious, maybe it is like bad, but. I mean, I don't know. Am I being saccharine sweet? Is this is this too Pollyanna? I don't think I, so. I, okay. Well, thank you for saying that. As you I can like tell, the I was work kind of you're unsure. doing here. I really do. But it's but it's true. We we don't know unless we really know. Unless there's an egregious error in there. Like there's there's two first names, and clearly one of them wasn't yours. You know, or or it's addressed to the wrong person. If I wasn't one hundred percent sure, and I had any interest in the relationship, I would I would respond. Um, if there's the part of you that that is hoping you might get a more personal reply, if you do respond, if there's part of you that can sympathize with someone who may be lonely during a what has been a really difficult year for a lot of people and someone's trying to make an effort to connect and they didn't do it in the most beautiful way then go for it. But if but if you're not feeling that way, if it's just got you feeling like, ugh, this is gross, yuck, I don't know if I can say don't reply because that sounds so wrong from an etiquette standpoint, but maybe don't reply. <laughs> like, no, because I, I like that you came in with the etiquette alarm bells, frankly, because I do think that there's a line that we want to be really clear about. And it's something that I, I think about because I write these kind of emails in a professional capacity. I spent some time last week writing emails that were designed to have the first name filled in and addressed a relatively small group of people. But the idea is that you're not writing an individual one to each person, but there are some shared experiences, a connection that you have with that group of people that allows you to address them as a small group in a way that's a little more personal. At the same time, because it's a professional email to a group of people that I know professionally, I'm not expecting individual replies from people. It's nice. Sometimes I get them. So I've got in my mind a very immediate frame of reference where there's no expectation of a reply and it's within the professional world where that kind of an email really is about getting information out in some ways and it invites a reply but it doesn't expect it in the social world that you're describing i I do think that the threshold has to be much higher to group it in that category you've really got to be able to answer to yourself firmly that you don't think there's any expectation of a reply and it's a a risk that you take because Frankly, in the social world, I I would think that you might anticipate a reply more. And it's not true in every situation. Those family newsletters, you don't reply to every one of them. 
and if this is closer to that no. than a personal note, then yeah. you could make that judgment. And I think saying no reply doesn't fall wildly outside the bounds of etiquette, even in a social context. Not wildly outside, but you do have someone writing lines and, and they've been quoted here like, so that's me. Now I want to hear all about what you've been doing. It's been too long. I wanted to let you know I'm thinking of you. Those kinds of things strike me as even if they were sent in copy paste fashion to other people as just more personal and more directed to you specifically than kind of like an open letter. I could see a friend sending an open letter out during a difficult year that just says, hey, I just want to let everyone know I'm thinking of people, you know, but that sounds more open, like that family newsletter that you're talking about. Whereas the the use and the I'm thinking of use, I think make make this have that more personal feel, even though Veronica hasn't gotten the personal feel from it, or so, haven't gotten that kind of warm fuzziness, thinking that it might actually have been a replicated letter. I, I do think that to me makes it harder to not reply in this particular case. But I might, Veronica, I might choose to reply, but not expect a whole lot. So I actually kind of like where we've come down on this one, okay. where I think we both have said that you really got to check in with yourself honestly yeah. and see how you're inspired to respond because it's got to come from a genuine place. And I think there's some guidance. You might want to find a kind or benevolent version of yourself as you make that choice um, and see this as an opportunity as opposed to um, something where someone's done something wrong uh, mm-hmm. if you're not sure that that's exactly what's happened. Veronica, thank you for the question that turned out to be anything but generic. But when you have a problem involving your own honesty, know yourself. Be sure of your intentions, the motives behind what you're doing and saying. Make sure you say what you mean to say. And make sure your meaning is clear to your listeners. Now, Bob, tell us the truth. What really happened? Our next question is titled Christmas Card Conundrum. Hello, awesome etiquette. I am grateful on a weekly basis for your wonderful podcast and good advice. Thank you so much for all that you do. It was just Halloween, but I'm thinking about Christmas cards. (laughs) I send quite a few each year and many abroad, and I'm getting ready to book time in November to write them so I can mail them in plenty of time. My question to you, 2020 has been such an unusual year a year of stresses and strains for everyone with the pandemic. While I'm aware of most of my immediate family and friends and their health and job situations, I'm not aware of everyone I will send cards to. Instead of the usual happy holidays and have a wonderful 2021, I wonder if you might have guidance for what to write in holiday cards in this the most strange of years. I feel like it would miss the mark and would sound tone deaf if I just wrote happy holidays I always add a brief one or two sentences personal message to each of the cards I send, and this year I'm stumped as to what the message should be. Any thoughts would be gratefully received. Many thanks. Christmas card challenged for 2020. Oh, Christmas card challenge. This, I, I've, I have got you. This one we can do in many different ways depending on who it is that you're sending them to. But generally, I'm a big fan of wishing you well and sending you love. Um, Maybe that's, you know, good vibes. Maybe that's um, happy thoughts or whatever it is. I think that wishing you well, 
you know, hoping you and your family are safe. Like maybe the safe pulls it a little, a little far, but I think wish, wishing you well is a really great kind of send off for any occasion where that would be true. And I think this year is as a year where in particular, we want to wish each other well at the holiday season. I like that master of sample scripts. Take a bow. <laughs> I'll hit my head on my desk. Um, what are some other things we could add to wishing you well and instead of and sending love, um, wishing you well and happy thoughts or wishing you well and take care. That's a nice, simple one for maybe a friend. I had been thinking of thinking of you. So I've been thinking of thinking as wishing the, you well and thinking of you, yeah. And and I or, or thinking of you at this time of year, wishing oh, you I the like best that. for the coming year, something like that. Or if if it's a holiday card, you can wish them well for the holiday season or something like that. Yep. And whether or not you choose to say happy holidays, it it, it might be something else. There are there are lots of great greetings to use. Or a lot of people, when they're sending a card to someone who's had a particularly rough year, though the card is the same card that they send to everyone else, those one or two sentences that you mention writing, that's a place where people might even even add more more personal message. Um, if it's not a postcard, I, I would I would refrain from doing it if it's just the postcard style, or I'd take the time to put the card in an actual note where you handwrite and and say. Just some words of encouragement, I would say, if someone's had a particularly tough time. Like a real fold over card as opposed right. to the Yeah, and then put those this together separate thing I was talking about a couple shows yeah, ago. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Exactly. And and that's just something kind of to be sensitive about. But I do think that that even if the card itself says the happy holidays or the, you know, may this season be be merry and bright or whatever it is, that you can make sure that it's sensitive and um, specific to that person with that handwritten message that you talk about. I really like that idea of sort of modifying or setting the tone for the card with that personal touch that you add yourself. Christmas card challenge for 2020. It sounds like you've got a pretty good plan ahead of you, and we wish you the best as you put it into action. Our next question is titled, Courteous with Clothing. Hello, Awesome Etiquette. I've been listening for a long time and always appreciate the work that you do and how it informs my perspective on life and my day-to-day interactions. I both have a question, but in a way, it's also an etiquette salute. I have a friend, and he and his wife have a daughter that is a year younger than my own daughter, with ours being three in November and his going to be two next year. According to him and his wife, they fortunately end up with so many clothes from the wife's sister that it is simply too many clothes for them, and they've offered us on two different occasions if we would like the clothes that they have already gone through and decided what they want to keep for themselves. The first time that we accepted the clothes, I attempted to offer some way to pay them for this in some kind of way, but they declined because they said it was a value to them to not have to take the clothes that they would just end up donating. The second time around was two months ago. They had 
the same proposition, which included even more than before, including things like shoes and other outfits as well. Their kindness is simply too much. Once again, they declined any offer of reciprocation, but it leaves me feeling with a sense of regret that I haven't been able to show a type of thank you for the generosity. Actually, as I'm putting this together, it occurs to me that, of course, a thank you card would be something that I should do and have not done yet. But in addition to that, I still want to give back to them in the same way that they've given to me. Any thoughts about ways to give someone something, even when they say they don't want anything in return? In case it matters, this family is excitedly awaiting a second child at this time. Thank you, as always, for the advice. Sincerely, thankfully clothed. Oh, thankfully That clothed. is so sweet. <laughs> this really is. This is such a sweet question slash salute. And what I love about it is that the answer presents itself in the course of the question, obviously. <laughs> I love that too. It, it's, it's such an example where as soon as you start to do any sort of process where you're like, okay, this is what's going on. These are the people. Okay. Yeah, no, I definitely need to get a thank you note in the mix here quick. And that is absolutely the etiquette solution here. Never underestimate the power of your own sense of gratitude and expressing that will have a profound impact on people. It feels so good to do something for someone else. And this is definitely something that's done in the community of people raising little kids. They share these clothes because they grow out of them so fast and passing them around and getting good use out of them is something that gives people pleasure. It's something we even joke about because sometimes they, they pile up. Sometimes the awareness and the courtesy is about not giving somebody too much if it's not something that they need or would want. So definitely don't feel bad about taking it. Just thank them appropriately. And in the spirit of passing on that gratitude, a great way to thank someone is to also pass them on at some point and to let them know that you did that. Mm -hmm. So pay it mm -hmm. forward and share that good feeling that you're going to get as you play that role as well. You know what I would do in this situation? What's that? I would bake them a pie. This is like I anytime someone has declined, mm. you know, the financial, that's when I go for the I guess I guess for me I go for the comfort food to give them, but it's I I go for like that kind of more um I don't know. I, I keep wanting to say down home country exchange, but that's not true because it happens in cities. Absolutely. <laughs> you know what I mean? No, but something of yourself. That neighbor exchange. Yeah, that's yes. That that kind of just like I'm so grateful, you know, maybe think of it as like here's something I shine at and it's so easy for me to do this. And I know most people I give this thing to enjoy it. You know what I mean? And so you just mm -hmm. go for it. And um, whether that's a, a cake or cookies or a, a spice mix or a, a stew or casserole, I have no idea. Maybe it's takeout from the absolute best place you can think of or your favorite spot. Or you do calligraphy or have a favorite. It's, yeah, no, there you go. There you go. You Much better or... than the takeout idea. Yeah. <laughs> like, Dan makes these like mixed nuts with all these different spices in them. Like that would be like something. But just something that, as Dan said, is kind of of you. And, and I would suggest leaving a note with it. And I would... I'd, I'd just say something like, you know, I have so many moments where I'm so grateful for all the little clothes that you've shared with us. So lucky to have you as a neighbor, uh, you know, wanted, want, hope you enjoy the pie, <laughs> like whatever it is, like something simple like that. And I think it makes it harder for them to turn it down. <laughs>
Okay, so and I don't want to say you have to force your gratitude on someone, but like no, but you can be persistent about something like this, and yeah, it's, it's... well because like in the moment they'd be like, no, don't bake me a pie, don't worry about it, don't worry about. It. But if a pie just showed up on their doorstep with a cute little note, you know, like <laughs> no, it's going to be appreciated, and it's. I, I could call it an etiquette bonus, but it's almost for something like this where the question is about how do I do something a little extra. I think it's a good idea to think about doing something a little extra, something a little more than that note. Although that note is kind of the thing. And if that was what you did, it would be a good step. The other little bonus that I was thinking about as I read this question, it sort of hinted at there's another little baby coming, which means there might be a moment in the future where there's going to be a real opportunity do a reciprocal good to pass the clothes back and maybe it's not those clothes maybe it's a really nice shower gift or a shower gift that's personal um or something that's meaningful to you or something that you would want to share at that time but you definitely can in your little social register in your mind put a little check like oh these people did a nice thing for me and i'm looking for an opportunity to do something nice for them and to to pay it back that way in the future when the opportunity presents itself Thankfully, Clothed, we certainly hope that this answer helps you express all your gratitude for your very awesome neighbor. Thank you for your questions. Please send us updates or feedback on our answers to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. You can leave us a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. You can also reach us on social media. On Twitter, we are at emilypostinst. On Instagram, we are at emilypostinstitute. And on Facebook, we are Awesome Etiquette. Just remember to use the hashtag Awesome Etiquette with your post so that we know you want your question on the show. If you love Awesome Etiquette, please consider becoming a sustaining member by visiting us at patreon.com slash awesomeetiquette. You'll get access to an ads-free version of the show and bonus questions and content. Plus, you'll feel great knowing that you help to keep Awesome Etiquette on the air. And for those of you who are already sustaining members, thank you so much for your support. It's time for our feedback segment where we hear from you about the questions we answer and the topics we cover. And today we hear from June about our discussion on coasters. Hi, Lizzie and Dan. Here are my ideas about coasters. If people will be immediately seated, you can hand out coasters along with the drinks. This doesn't work if some people will be standing or there is a delay. It's too awkward to hold both the coaster and a drink. If it's a serve-yourself setup at a large party, you can put extra coasters on the serving cart or table, along with an attention-grabbing friendly note like, please take me with you. An ounce of prevention, you can buy or rent stemmed glassware. I just checked, and it can be purchased for only a couple of dollars a stem. In a more casual setting, you can use insulated cups and mugs. All of that said, I have never been offended by someone giving me a coaster, nor have I ever had any hesitation in saying, oh, I'm sorry, let me grab you a coaster for that, or oh, sorry, I should have given you a coaster. A vague, I'm sorry, softens the ask, even if it's a bit nonsensical. If a coaster is sitting right there unused to save embarrassment, I give the guest a different coaster. It's a great kindness to overlook minor missteps. Cheers, June. Oh, I like all that advice. I like June's um, I'm sorry interruption that 
assumes the fault <laughs> so that you're yes. explicitly uh, taking that responsibility, absolving the guest as you make the correction. As you, the host, you, it must, I like that. I like it. Take, take it on and take care of it. June, excellent advice. Thank you so much for sending it in. And a successful party needs planning and skill. Whether it's a special carnival designed for gay entertainment, a holiday party, they all take planning. And they should all be fun. And thank you for sending us your thoughts and updates. Please do keep them coming. You can send your next piece of feedback, question, or update to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. Or leave us a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. It's time for our Postscript segment where we dive deeper into a topic of etiquette. And this week, we're going to be talking about a pleasant surprise that happened at the Emily Post Institute. It just so happens that we actually went to the Institute to pick up the mail this week and that we had a lovely package waiting for us from an Emily Post fan who had sent us their very treasured copy of Children Are People by Emily Post, which is Emily's first sort of parenting book. It was in excellent condition, and the, the note from Mr. E.R. Barrett was lovely. It was it was very brief, but it let us know that um, this book was was one that uh, his mother prized, and that they were they consulted multiple times when Mr. Burnett was growing up. He said that although your library may already have copies of this tome, you may not have one that so affected the raising of two children. And we just thought that was really special and, and thoughtful. And we we're very grateful. Um, any copies of, of Emily's books, we are always grateful to have. Um, so that that was kind of the exciting thing. But but Dan and I both, we, we like this book. This is kind of a fun one. <laughs> it, it is. And it always makes me think of my mother because yeah. she wrote our sort of contemporary children's book series. Right. And I know that when she was writing it, she was looking back through the Emily Bose tradition, obviously, and Emily, this was her very personal book about parenting and sort of her personal thoughts about it. <laughs> yeah. And I know Cindy's got a favorite passage that we've read on the show that it's this sort of description of a child like a rainbow and the different colors that they shine. And um, <laughs> anyway, very... and, well, it is. And, and it, I'll be honest, I, I, it's not a book that I've read, so it's the passage from it that I think about as being represented in the book. But I like the opportunity to maybe crack it open and take a look at some other parts of it. I know, right? It's I always love the title of it because the idea that children are people, It's yeah. to me, that's Emily at her classic, which is, you know, let me flip the perspective. This isn't about getting a, a child to fit into your life. A child is a whole person. Um, but the book does crack me up in places because Emily is so opinionated in it. There are places that have just excellent, you know, still like advice that still rings true today. But then other places where Dan and I kind of giggle and we're like, are you speaking to someone in particular, Em? Uh -huh. um, so we thought we'd read you two, two such passages. So the first one begins on page 15 and it's under the section called The Habit of Thinking About Other People. Obviously a great, great thing for a children's etiquette book to be talking about. And about halfway through, she begins... The child in his high chair in the kitchen who watches his busy mother is eager to do what she does, not to be amused by himself, but as soon as he understands to be of help. 
As he grows older, he loves still more to feel that his work, in quotes, is real, in italics, and to let him feel that his mother depends upon his help is one of the most satisfying methods of training known. No matter how much easier it may be for her to do whatever it is alone, she will perhaps not begrudge the extra work which letting him help puts her to. If she can only realize that practice will, in a surprisingly short time, bring capability that will mean reward to her as well as to him. And I thought that was very sweet. I actually, I remember my sister, like, teaching my nephew, having him join and doing all the little things, you know, that, that she was doing, whatever it was, if it was picking up the living room or working in the kitchen. And it, it was just cute to see that one really carry through over the years. Good job. Nice work. Good job. <laughs> you say a lot of that. I hear you on the phone saying a lot of that. The next passage is more of that that um, Emily seems she just can't help herself kind of a passage, and it begins on page 25 under the title, A Don't for Grandmother. Perhaps this is the place, however, to set down an important don't for the grandparent or other relative who feels inclined to interfere with the training of the children. It is this, colon, new paragraph, all uppercase letters, never forget that each young mother must be allowed to bring up her children as she sees fit. Whether you as a grandmother think they are being absolutely ruined or not, if from unquestionable knowledge you see that the health or happiness or permanent behavior of the child is in danger, you can ask for a hearing of your opinion when the children are not present and say what you think and why you think it. It may be that your daughter-in-law or daughter will agree with you and even ask your further advice. Again, it may be that she will disagree and will, unless you are wisely tactful, resent your criticism. But in either case, unless she asks, in italics, your opinion, you must not bring the subject up again. <clears throat> Final word. <laughs> So I'm going to make a little note in our show script that we need to do a postscript about Emily's mother-in-law at some point. Oh, at some point. <laughs> I think we do. <laughs> um, but I, I just I love the fact that both of these pieces of advice are something that, uh, you know, uh, grandmothers and, and uh, mothers struggled in so many of the same ways. Um, you know, back in, in 1922 and in, in 2020. Um, but that idea of, you know, who's offering advice that's helpful? Uh, how do you talk to someone if you, you're seeing something um, that you don't like, but at the same time, you're trying to respect them? Uh, you can kind of hear the CRH coming out in all these different ways. Absolutely. Well, it was certainly considerate of Mr. Burnett to send us this copy. We appreciated the gesture, the thoughtfulness, and the opportunity to share children are people with the awesome etiquette audience. Oh, manners. You know we like to end our show on a high note, so we turn to you to hear about the good etiquette you're seeing and experiencing out in the world. And I am just going to give a call out that we want to hear more. I know people aren't interacting quite as much, but send us your best. Let's hear about it. It can come in so many forms, and today we hear from Jennifer. Hi, Daniel and Lizzie. I've been listening to your podcast for the past year. It has been truly awesome for me. It has made me more aware of the little things that can count for a lot and make a big difference to how people feel. I have a salute for a school mom who invited our family to a school Christmas party at her house. 
Her daughter attends prep first year of school with my son. The party was lovely until my son had a meltdown. My boy has ADHD and autism, but this isn't evident to an untrained observer. He just appears a little quirky and very active. It is not a diagnosis I had shared with this mum. Anyway, children with autism can get overstimulated in loud and crowded environments, and this is what happened to my son. Something set him off. He started kicking his sister and screaming, and when I tried to intervene, threw a cushion at a cabinet full of ornaments breaking a vase. It was humiliating, and everyone was standing around staring as my son ran off crying, suddenly ashamed of what he had done. This lady, our hostess, was so very gracious. She checked that my son was okay, was empathetic, commenting that children get very stressed at this time of year. Then somehow, she managed to put a positive spin on the situation, getting people standing around staring to laugh. She said the vase was from her ex-husband, and she had been looking for a way to get rid of it anyway. And in her culture, breaking glass can be good luck. I was truly thankful for her approach and for lightening the heaviness and staring eyes. It was still humiliating, but made bearable by her kindness. I realize this may be a bit heavy for the podcast, but thought I'd send it in anyway. It can be hard having a child with an invisible disability and people like this who act non-judgmentally in the face of unusual behavior, whether they understand it or not, make parents like us feel less alone. Thanks again for your great work. Kind regards, Jennifer. Oh, Jennifer, thank you so much for sharing. And that is that, you know, we we talk about being that gracious host and this is a, a really beautiful of ex- example of it. You know, we get those questions that are like, what if I, what if something gets spilled? What if something happens? And it's always that kind of <gasps> gasp moment where something really does go wrong. And this host just clearly had such poise and grace and even good humor um, and really put, put guests at ease over it. And that's, that's just wonderful. It was a great share. Thank you, Jennifer. Jennifer, thank you so much for this salute. And thank you for listening. And thank you to everyone who sent us something. And thank you to everybody who supports us on Patreon. Please connect with us and share the show with friends, family, and coworkers, however you like to share podcasts. You can send us questions, feedback, and salutes by email to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. You can leave us a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. On Twitter, we're at Emily Post Inst. On Instagram, we're at Emily Post Institute. And on Facebook, we're Awesome Etiquette and the Emily Post Institute. Please consider becoming a sustaining member. You can find out more about this by visiting patreon.com slash awesome etiquette. You can also subscribe to the ads version of our show on Spotify or your favorite podcast app. And please consider leaving us a review. Our show is edited by Chris Albertine and assistant produced by Bridget Dowd. Thanks, Thanks Chris, Chris and Bridget. And Bridget.